Welcome to another inspirational message from London Live Church. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. Father God, we are here. Some of us are here in person. Some of us are online. Some of us are watching this as a playback. Wherever it is, I just pray, God, that like we've just sung, we will realize that it's all about you. So that the words that we speak about today and the things that we think about today will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what month are we in, guys? Can you believe we're in the second weekend of July already? So, so July is a really special month. Does anybody know what the month of July, what we celebrate in the month of July. And don't say the US independence because we're on the wrong side of the pond for that. What do we celebrate throughout the whole month of July? Does anybody know? Anybody have a clue? Your auntie's birthday. So we've got Serena's auntie's birthday. Jesus sacrificed every day, Greg. That was very well done, but no, 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 no stars for, for either of you. Anybody else want to try? What are we celebrating in July? That was in June, but there is another pride, but you're close. Atlas actually the closest to it. This month is Disability Pride Month. And the reason that disability, and you were so you were close, you had half of it. Disability Pride Month is celebrated in July. It started in the US because it was in July in the 1980s that the Disabilities Act was signed in the US. And that is the act that forced people to make places more accessible to people who are living with disabilities. If you imagine before 1985 or whatever it was signed, that, was, that just wasn't there. And so that's why we celebrate Disability Pride Month. And, and they call it Disability Pride because often when people talk about disability, they talk about it in the negative sense. And the people that organize it want us to talk positively and to celebrate those who navigate the world with different types of physical, neurological abilities um, throughout the month of July. So if you have somebody who has a physical disability, who has a neurological diver di 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 diversity or anything like that, just make sure that you tap, hit them up this week and, and, uh, or this month and celebrate them. And do remember that not all disabilities are visible, right? So just think about that during the course of this month because that's, that's what being a Christian is about, right? It's not just about sitting in church and singing songs together, which is great. It's about going and doing something active. So July is an opportunity for us to do that. So who's gonna join me this week in celebrating Disability Pride Month? Few people, excellent, excellent. All right, off my soapbox again and on to today. So today we're talking about the cure for constipation. What are we talking about? The cure for constipation. That's not a very nice topic, is it? We don't really talk about those, those kind of things in, in, in polite society, do we? Well, at least I know that I was raised not to, but stay with me, I'm going somewhere. So before we talk about constipation, can we talk about my big toe? Can we do that for a minute? You can't see it, because I'm, I'm not wearing sandals anymore. I was wearing sliders earlier, you'd have seen it. But I have on this foot, the right foot, the big toe, that is kind of located around here. Um, I used to be able to hold it up for longer, but hey, you know, we can't, we can't all do what we used to be able to do. So, so, so there's a problem with my big toe. So if you look at me and you look at my toe, how much, if you were saying, if you were looking at my toe as a percentage of my overall body mass, how, what percentage of my body would you say that my toe 
makes up. So those of you that haven't seen my toe, it's probably, it's not that big. It's probably about, probably similar size to my thumb a bit wider. Yeah, the top part of my thumb. So what percentage? Three, three 3%. You think it's that big? Not put, I think it's smaller than that, less than that of my total body mass, right? But, okay, but small though, right? You say not, not point 0.2, right. But can I tell you that this either 0.2 or 3%, depending on how big you think my toe is between you, somewhere in between there is the real, is the real answer. I haven't worked it out, so I, I, I don't have a, a prize because I really don't know the answer. But what happened is, every so often, this toe is so, so painful that I can barely walk. This happened to me as I, I, was, I was traveling a couple of weeks ago, and it kicked off again. And what it is, is that I've got, there's too much information for some, but I'm gonna share it anyway, because I am going somewhere, is that I've got a toenail that grows in to my toe, so that if I haven't cut my toenails, and so that's why I always have to carry a nail clipper in my bag, because I never know when it's gonna kick off. If I haven't carried my, if I haven't cut my nail, I, it just grows in, and if whatever, it just digs in, and it is so painful, so I'm walking, like this, and, it's, and, 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 and it, it shouldn't be a big deal because it's just a little toe, right? Right, would you say it shouldn't be a big deal because it's just a little toe? No. Yeah, well, it's important to me, right, because it's affecting my walking and then it affects my concentration and, 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 and many other things. Has anyone ever had a toothache that really, really hurt? Now your teeth are even smaller than my toes, well, at least I hope so, right? Has, has, anyone, has, anyone, has anyone experienced toothache recently? Did, what's it like? What's it like? Debilitating. I like that. Debilitating. And, 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 and it, can, it goes into your headache, doesn't it? And it affects your whole face and, it, and you can't function, right? Right. And so when you think about, you know, these small body parts and, and, the, and the impact that they have on us, it just reminds me of something that the Apostle Paul writes about. Now, we're gonna talk about constipation before we get there. I would like us to talk about the body as a whole. Let's not, let's not, let's, let, let's, um, let's not run before, we, let's, before we've walked, right? So let's talk about the body. So the Apostle Paul in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians talks about the body and he says from verse 12, if you'll just go there with me, he's, he's writing to this church in Corinth, a church that he has visited and a church that is starting to have problems. And the reason this church in Corinth is having problems because it's got humans in it, right? And when you have humans, you have problems. But one of the biggest problems in that church is this thing of what's the best? Who's the best? What's more important? Who's more important? And so like a good father, he sits his children down, obviously not literally because he's in a different place and he's writing them a letter. And he writes them down, he says, guys, you as a church family, I like the human body, okay? So that's where we go to. He says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you has a part in it. So that means all of us together make up the whole body. He then goes on to say that some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. So Gentiles was the word for anybody, any of the Christians that wasn't, anybody who wasn't Jewish, the Jewish called them Gentiles, so that they, they were often Greek, but it could be anybody. So there was the ins and the outs, right? So if you replace Jew and Gentile, replace it for what your in group is and what your out group is. And he says, some of you are this in group and some of you are the out group. Some of you are slaves and some of you are free. Some of you have a job and some of you don't in today's words. But 
he says, continues in verse 13, we have all been baptized into how many bodies? How many bodies? If we go to verse 13, how many bodies have we been baptized into? In ver- if we go to uh, chapter 12, verse 13, how many bodies have we been baptized into? Sorry, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, 1 Corinthians 12, chapter, verse 13, I'll read it to you. It says, some of you are Jews and some are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But all of you have been baptized by, into one body. How many bodies? And how many spirits? And what do we share? The same spirit, it says in verse 13, it says, but all of you have been baptized into one body by one spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So I can say that, yeah, I get that. Yeah, we're all Christians and we're all part of the same body. And then it goes on to talk about what it means about those different body parts. Because it will say, he goes on to give examples and say where he says, you know, the hand can't say, you know, the the, the foot doesn't matter. I'm not part of the body because I'm the hand. And the ear can't say, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye. And he goes on to give an analogy. So let me do it in our terms. You know, I can't say because I because I, I'm not on the worship team, then I'm not part of the body, or because I'm not on the welcome team, I'm not part of the body, or because I don't know how to use pro presenter in the way that Gareth has just mastered it today, then I'm not part of the body. If I can't pray, I'm not part of the body. And, and, and Paul is like, no, 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 no. Everybody is a part of the body. Everybody is a part of the body. And then he talks about some body parts in, in verse 22, some body parts being weaker than others, And verse 22 is really important. It leads me into a story that I'd like to share. In verse 22 of chapter 12, he says, in fact, some parts of the body that may seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So now I would like to share with you the story of how the anus became the most important part of the body. Okay, are you ready? Everyone sitting comfortably? Okay, here goes. So the parts of the body, we're having a conversation as the parts of the body do. And then Desmond, your head said, why are we having a conversation about what the most important part is? I have got the brain in me. I've got the eyes, I've got the ears, I've got the nose, I've got the mouth. I'm the most important. The brain coughed up. (coughs) Actually, Neo, what you'll find is you house me, head, but I, the brain, are the most important part. Then Faye's heart jumped out and said, no, guys, you got it wrong. I keep you all beating. If I stop beating, none of you can live. I am the most important part. Then the blood vessels joined in and they were like, no, 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 Bradley, you've got it wrong because, the, because, because we take that blood that you pump heart, and we pass it to all the body parts. So if we stop pumping the blood that you, if we stop passing the blood that you pump, then technically everything stops. The ears had something to say, the eyes had something to say, the feet said, I take you where you wanna go, the hands said, but I do everything. And the body argued and argued and argued. The anus kept quiet for a little while, during the course of this conversation. And then, and, then the, and then the stomach spoke up and said, well, I'm the most important part because if I didn't hold the food 
and cause the absorption that allows the, um, the blood to pass those nutrients around the body, all of you would suffer. And the anus kept quiet. And then the anus got tired of keeping quiet. And the anus said, guys, I am the most important part of the body. At this point, everybody laughed, right? And they didn't laugh at the brain. They didn't laugh at the heart. They didn't even laugh at the ears. They laughed at the anus. And the anus was like, you're laughing at me? Do you notice I didn't mention anybody's name when I said anus? You notice that every, all the other body parts got mentioned with a name, but the anus did not because I'm very respectful. So, so, so the, the anus is like, why are you guys laughing? I am the most important. Now the brain was like, <laughs> clearly the anus cannot think. <laughs> Just ignore him, everybody. Just ignore anus. He, he's, he's jumped up. He's a jumped up little thing. Just ignore him. And all the other body parts said, yes, let's just ignore anus. Anus was like, guys, are you ignoring me? Nobody answered. They all turned their backs. In fact, some of them even left the meeting. Anus was so upset. He said, I'll show them. He downed tools. Few hours, the rest of the body was fine right? We don't need anus. Anus doesn't want to do his job. It's fine. The rest of us will just keep on working. Stomach just kept on pumping. Mouth just kept on eating. Eyes just kept on seeing food for mouth to eat. Hands kept grabbing the food and the cycle went on. A few hours in, everyone was still fine. <laughs> anus, we don't need you. 24 hours in, anus was saying, guys, do you really think I don't matter? They, their laughter wasn't as, as energetic as it was before, but they were still kind of laughing at him. Anyway, the long story short is, three days in of anus's strike, the rest of the body started to give in. So first of all, you know, it was actually the brain that felt it first. As the toxins rose into his atmosphere, he just started to get dizzy. Heart started to get a bit of palpitations, you know, needing to work a little harder because the, the body was a bit sluggish and so heart had to work harder to pass things around. And to be honest with you, legs, started to get a bit wobbly and causing it, the eye, hand to eye coordination started to fail. And the hands, every time the hand reached for food, this hand reached for food, the other hand slapped it and said, stop, we, we can't. In the end, I don't know which body part it was, but the most sensible body part said, guys, we need to have another meeting. They sat in the meeting room and after a vote, it was unanimously decided that anus was the most important part of the body. That constipation that that body experienced in that three or four days led that body to realize that all the body parts are important. And, and, and as we think about constipation in the physical body, there is a constipation that goes on in society. I talked about the fact that when you're constipated, your toxins build up and they affect your body and your mind. And, and we can see the toxicity, we see the toxins all around the world right now. We see wars, we see people getting canceled on social media, we see people not caring about what they do to the environment, we see people mistreating each other and we see so many things going on. But it, let's bring it a little closer to home. We see uh, people discriminating against each other, we see people being selfish, we see people um, seeing someone else hungry and watching it, we see uh, so many unfair things and that's all toxicity building up in our bodies. 
And the church is not immune to this. It wasn't immune in the beginning, and it wasn't immune now. And, and, and I say that because there are so many parts of our body that are hurting. You just need to have a conversation with two or three people within our church community to know that the body is not okay. And what Paul really wanted the church to understand, what we love London Live community, whether you're online or in person, what we'd really love you to understand is if one part of our body is not okay, then we are not okay. My toe isn't big, but if my toe is not okay, I am not okay. And I would love for us to examine not just our physical bodies, but our our family, our church family, our community, and say, is everything okay? Are people okay? I'd like to firm this up with a bit of an example, if I may, from the book of Acts. I know we've been studying Acts in our, in our small groups, um, but I'm going to take us to the book of Acts for a minute now, because I'd like to illustrate what it looks like when a church family is not okay. And you tell me if there's anything in this story that resonates with you, all right? Remember, we're talking about the effects of spiritual constipation. So in the book of Acts, um, we are quite a way in now because Juanita last week talked about like a council that took place in Jerusalem. And so that, we're quite far into the book of Acts. But in the book of Acts chapter six, I'd like to, to, to position it for those of you that haven't been in the study with us, right? So Jesus has gone back to heaven. But before he went to heaven, he said to the people, wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. He's poured out on the church community. They have started to, to basically be his witnesses around Jerusalem. He's even given them the power to speak in different languages, to be able to, to reach people who, who have visited Jerusalem who do not speak Hebrew or Aramaic. He's enabled, he's enabled them to heal people, right? So Ivana, you know, the, the, the blind man, the, sorry, the lame man sitting outside the temple was able to jump up and dance even though he'd been lame for 35 years or something like that, right? And then we also had some, some other things, amazing things that happened. There are some people that have been so generous that have literally, they've literally sold their homes or their land and they've given the money over and they've said, church, I don't need this, right? I want to give this to communities. If there's anybody who's poor, anybody who's widowed, anybody that needs anything, give them this money because I want them to be okay. They're the good things that are happening in the church. At the same time, the enemy is attacking the church. There are... Um, the, 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 the leaders, the, the, the politicians and religious leaders are after the church and they keep every, every other day, Paul and John seem to be in prison or getting whipped or told off or something like that. And then you have a couple of charlatans um, and um, who preached about Ananias and Sapphira again? Can't remember. Someone preached about them a couple of weeks ago. Um, anyway, they, 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 they lied. There are some people that lied and said that they had money and, 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 and that given to church. And so there was some lies and jealousy and competition that had entered the church. And, 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 and the church is still going on. The church is still trying. The church is still growing. But while it's trying and growing, there are certain things that are happening. And there is opposition against from, from without. But then some trouble comes within. And I'll tell you, London Life family, whenever we're doing something without, whenever, the, whenever we're doing something for God that isn't about ourselves, that is about the wider community that is about the bigger story, there will always be attacks from without and there will be attacks from within. And that's just life. So in the book of Acts chapter six, we go to verse one, it says, but all the believers uh, rapidly multiplied 
um, and there were rumblings. But as the sorry, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. As the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The church is growing rapidly. The church is growing fast. Yesterday there were 12, and then there were 60, and then there were 3,000, and now we don't know how many there are because the church is growing so rapidly that we've lost count. In, in, the, in the first four chapters or so, you hear them saying, and the church increased by this number, and there were this number of people in the room. By now, they've stopped counting. The church has increased rapidly. The family has grown. But... As the believers rapidly multiply, there are rumblings of discontent. Hey, Stefano, welcome back. Discontent, unhappiness, displeasure, or as Juanita said in her message last week, arguments or beef. The complaints that happened were simply because of this. There were widows who were supposed to be looked after by the the Israelite nation, right? Part of the role of being a Jew was that you looked after widows and orphans. That was a command from the prophets in the Old Testament, right? You look after the widows and the orphans. That was a command. That was supposed to be happening, but it wasn't being done by the state, right? It wasn't being done by the government, so the church started to do it. Just like churches start soup kitchens and have um, food runs and things like that. The churches exist to partly fill the space that society doesn't always fill in. And so then this is what's happening in the early church, right? So we've got our charitable things that we do. This is not new. It's been happening since the very beginning. That's partly the role of the church. So there are some people who were living in Jerusalem who spoke Greek because they were Jewish people who had either been born outside of Israel where they spoke um, Greek or they had moved there and they'd lived there. And as well as speaking the Greek language, they probably adopted some of the Greek culture because that's what happens when you live somewhere, right? It starts to rub off on you. And so now call these people returnees or retirees or We don't know how they've ended up back in Jerusalem, but they're back in Jerusalem and they are different, right? They are immigrants. They are not the regular people from Jerusalem that speak Aramaic or Hebrew. These guys speak Greek. And if the truth be told, they act a little Greek, but they're in church together. Look around you at this London Life family. Look around you. Just take a time. Look around. Look around. And not just in this moment, but think about the other faces that walk through this door from week to week. We are all different. As the church rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Discontent happens when change happens, because nobody really likes change. Discontent happens when we are different from each other. But we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that we are different body parts, but we are one body because we've been baptized by the same spirit. We are one body. We are supposed to function as one body, but how can we function as one body when there are rumblings of discontent? And it wasn't just rumblings of discontent. Then somebody spoke up. 
one of the little old ladies who spoke Greek said, wait, everyone else got two loaves of bread and I got one. And then someone else said, wait, that same thing happened to me. The, 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 the ladies that speak Jew, the widows that speak, that speak Hebrew, they got two loaves. And, and did you notice that they also got some jam and we didn't? Now, we do not know. It says the, the, the Greek-speaking believers complained. Now, good for them for speaking up about how they felt. I think sometimes what happens in, in this little bubble that we call church is that we're hurting, we feel something, we say nothing, and we disappear. And all of a sudden, Caroline has been missing for six, seven, eight months. And I've got no idea where she's been. It's because she's hurting. I'm picking on you, Caroline, because you're my friend and I love you. So I know that you could, I can do that. And then somebody might look for Caroline after a little while and say, where is she? And then by now, Caroline is hurting so much and she doesn't have the words for it anymore. That now when you go to her, it's moved from discontent to, to, a, to a complete anger against this community because she wasn't able to articulate her pain. And why are we not able to articulate our pain? Sometimes it's because we don't feel safe to, right? We're hurting, but we can't say. We don't know who to trust. Now, I thank God that Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, records this story. Because what it says to me is, church isn't a perfect place, but when things happen, we need to be able to say, I am not okay, even if I'm in the outside group. So the inside group were the Hebrew-speaking widows, and the outside group were the um, Jewish-speaking widows, or, or Aramaic-speaking widows. And, and they were able to say, it's not okay. And I'd love this to be a community where we say when we're not okay. We don't know why these widows felt that they were being discriminated against. That was their lived experience. They're saying, we're not okay. There's something happening with the food distribution. There's something unfair. We don't know if it was imagined or real, but that's how they experienced it. So it needed to be addressed. And then the church in later verses go on to do that. We're not going to those other verses. We're staying at this verse today. The other thing that we realize, have to think about is the fact that the people who were doing the distribution may have had no idea that they had done something that caused offense to the Greek-speaking widows. It could well be that Ivana is passing around the bread. Greg distracts her because he's got something that he wants to tell her. And she might have skipped somebody forgot where she was, and then carried on. We've got no idea how it happened, but now Ivana is being accused of discrimination by somebody that she was trying to help in the body of the church. Now, that person has a choice. They can come and tell Ivana, Ivana, when you're giving out the bread, what happened? Everyone else got two and I got one. Or they can hold it or they can go and whisper somewhere else. We all have a choice about how we respond when we feel something's not okay. The reason I love the way that Luke writes this is because he doesn't blame anybody. He just lays it out as a fact. The Greek believers felt aggrieved because they felt their experience was that their widows were not getting the same treatment as everybody else. Toxicity rising up in the church community. And I'm I'm conscious of the fact that what we see here, there's discrimination, unfairness, hunger, because this, by the way, this, it wasn't a situation where you go to the soup kitchen and you get a bag of food and you take it away for the week. 
It wasn't that kind of food distribution. It was, you come there for your daily meals. So this wasn't just a situation that impacted them once. This was something that was happening every day. And so some people were hungry. There may have been some people who felt so bad that they decided not to come back for dinner again. They would just stay and starve. We don't know how they responded, but we know that the church had to do something about these, this toxicity that was rising up in its body because the Bible is really clear about how we're supposed to do as Christians. We are supposed to take care of the widows and the orphans. In Malachi chapter, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 5, I'm just going to give you a couple of examples of why we know this is important. Okay, Malachi chapter 3 God is telling off the, 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 the nation of Israel, for, of, Jerusalem, of Judah, for what they've done. And he says in verse 5, Then I will come near for your judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, and those who oppress the laborers in his wage and widows and fatherless, and against those who turn away aliens from their rights, and for those who do not fear me with awesome reverence, says the Lord of hosts. So God himself is talking in the book of Malachi, and he's saying, I expect you, church, I expect you, London Live, to take care of the widows and the orphans, and when you're not doing that, it's as bad as being somebody who is involved in witchcraft, somebody who is an adulterer, or somebody who is a liar, somebody who cheats employers of their wages. It's a big deal to God. Would you agree? Then in Isaiah chapter 1, this is the second example. In Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17, again the Lord is speaking and he says, look, stop doing all the other stuff Learn, in verse 17 of, of Isaiah 1, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of the orphans. Because in those days, a lot of orphans, once their father died, they lost everything because the other family could, would come and they'd take it and they would have nothing. There was no social welfare system. So once you were a widow or an orphan, you were done. And it says, fight for the rights of the widows. So don't just be good to the widows, fight for their rights so that they don't get kicked out of their husband's home and end up poor beggars on the street when their husbands die. Defend the cause of the orphans, orphans and fight for the rights of the widows. So there's a real thing here about what God expects. So when we're thinking about the body that's not constipated, right? The body that is functioning, the body that is doing well. One of the things that we should see that body doing is looking out for those that are in need, right? So, 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 so we're not just, God isn't just saying, you know, it, it, Paul isn't just saying you are a body in one spirit. He, you know, if you go on to, to, read, to, to read the rest of the letter that he writes um, to the Corinthians, he wants them to do it for a purpose. He wants that body to function not so that it can look good in designer clothes, Stefano. Not for that reason. Not so that it can, you know, be, you know, be able to wear those lovely designs that the Allah, um, the Allah uh, uh, sews. No, he wants it because he wants us to be useful, right, Winnie? He wants us to be useful, and we've got examples there. He wants us to fight for the orphans, defend the rights of the widows. Just 
to, you know, to, to say, you know, one last thing in, in or just to, to make sure that this hits home of a body that's not constipated cannot do what God requires. What does God require? Let me just spell it out for you because in the book of Micah, chapter six, um, the prophet Micah goes on and, and he says, you know, you want to do all this stuff for me? I brought you out of captivity. And now you want to say, uh, Lord, what should we do to pay you back? Um, what should we do? Should we give you burnt offerings? Should we sacrifice our children? Should we do this? Should we get, um, you know, bring you rams and, 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 and even sacrifice our firstborns to pay for our sins? And in verse 8 of Micah chapter 6, God is very clear. It says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. He's told you what a healthy body looks like, right? And this is what he requires of you, to do what's right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. All this is the opposite of spiritual constipation. And then Paul, in the book of Corinthians chapter 12, if I'm just going to nip back there ever so quickly, um, don't worry, Gareth, it's one verse, I can do it from here. Um, he, in, at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when he's finished talking about spiritual gifts and, and the body and all those analogies, he says, he talks about, you know, all the things that you can do, all the things that you can practice, all the things that you can show as a Christian, you know, to make it look like your body's functioning okay. You can preach and you can perform miracles and you can heal and you can speak in other languages and you can use all the spiritual gifts under the sun. The body can look good. But he ends chapter 12 of Corinthians. He says, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gift. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And then in the next chapter, he goes on to tell us what's best of all. How many of you have been to a wedding and heard, love is patient, love is kind? It does not anger. I'm waiting to go to Bradley's wedding, actually, so I can hear that, that verse read at his wedding. You having that at your wedding, Bradley? You having that verse? Yeah, yeah. I look forward to it. I look forward to it. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to going to Bradley's wedding to hear that. But, you know, and maybe Jonathan's wedding will come first, actually. So maybe I'll wait for your wedding, Jonathan, to hear that verse. But it says, love is kind. Love is patient. It's not angry. It's not easily provoked. And all those beautiful things that love is. And, those are the, that, and, and that is Paul explaining that even if, you can, even if your body looks like it's functioning and it's doing all the right things and you can win races and you can sing really well and you can, you know, you look great. If something is missing, it doesn't mean anything. And at the very end of Corinthians 13, he says three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, the most important of these, the choicest of these graces, as it says in some versions of the Bible, is love. I'm wrapping up now because I came today to talk about spiritual constipation because that as a church family, we're a little constipated. We're a little constipated because there are people that walk into this door and out of this door and feel just as alone as they were when they first walked in. We are constipated because there are people that are working tirelessly every week for the church and others who are happy just to watch. We are constipated because 
sometimes when, and I know this, that people are hurting and they're afraid to say something's not right here and then they, they walk away and we, we don't see them again. I think we're constipated because if the truth be told, weeks can go by and we haven't seen someone. I've been guilty of this. Someone, someone said it to me recently. You know, you haven't seen me and you haven't, you haven't checked on me, right? Something is wrong in our body. There are some parts of our body that are not okay. There are some parts of our body that are not okay. And for this constipation to go away, we need to swallow that, um, um, what do you call it, Senecot, <laughs> called love. And we need to swallow it every day. And something will change. I, I just want to end with a little thought that came to me. I've been in a lot of airports this last couple of months. And when you go into the bathroom in the airport, I don't know if any of you have seen these on the back of the door. They've got these adverts. So they, they, it's something like, do you see me? Can you see me? Has any, any of you seen those? It's about trafficking. It's about people trafficking. There'll be uh, a girl in the back of a taxi with a man, and she'll say, can you see me? There'll be somebody working in a nail bar saying, can you see me? There'll be somebody working. Um, different. It has different images of people who've been people trafficked, Jack. And, 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 and we see them every day. They're, they're, they're in our society. They're, they're doing different jobs. They're basically indentured laborers. Their passports have been taken from them. And, 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 and they, they're there and they're functioning. Some of them are thrown into the sex trade. Some of them are thrown into production of things. Some of them are thrown into, into retail. Some of them are into, into healthcare. And, and they're saying, can you see me? And I wonder if there are some people who are wearing that on their faces right here or online, I'm hurting, church family. The body is not okay. Can you see me? Can you see me? Everybody here has a story. Everybody has. There is nobody here who is storyless. If you've lived a day, you have a story. And so my, my thought is, how about if I throw out a challenge? Last time I spoke, I threw out a challenge about spending, if you, the last challenge I threw out to you was about spending more time with God, right? And I said that if you spend, whatever time you spend with God, spend 10 minutes extra each time and, and let God transform us so that we'll be useful to him so the Holy Spirit can work in us. And I think if we keep doing that, I want to add the next step to that challenge. So we're, we're adding 10 minutes with God that we didn't spend yesterday, right? Each day. And we're adding the next part of that, which is, now ask God to show me somebody that I didn't see before. They may be in my workplace. They may be in my church. They may be on my street. They may be in the supermarket. They may be at school. Wherever you want me to see that person, God, even if I'm busy and I'm in a rush, help me to see that person because if one part of the body is not okay, the whole body's not okay. If there's somebody who you haven't seen at London Life for a little while, somebody who you've seen at London Life but have never spoken to, never had a conversation with, I challenge you, say hello, see somebody. That is love in action. And so my prayer today is that we'll see through the eyes of the spirit, that the body will be healthy, that our spiritual constipation will be relieved and that we will do what God requires, that we will love 
the orphans, the widows, and everything in between. And that somebody who didn't want to be here anymore yesterday will long to be here tomorrow. This is the end of this broadcast. We hope you have been encouraged and inspired. For more information, please visit londonlivechurch.com. Mm-hmm.